This episode of Radio Vet Nurse was proudly brought to you by Zilkeen. Radio Vet Nurse, the podcast with your host, Kat Robinson. You're listening to Radio Vet Nurse, the podcast for vet nurses where we tell our story. I'm your host, Kat Robinson. Vet nursing can be a tough gig, and yet we absolutely love it. So when it comes to vet nurses, who are we? How do we achieve greatness? How do we cope with the more challenging parts of our job? Radio Vet Nurse is our way to start a dialogue around these questions and to create a space where we can tell our story. Each episode, you'll hear from a different vet nurse about their personal experiences in life and in vet nursing. I'm officially back from maternity leave and this was my first time hitting record in six months. Anyone following me on social media will know that coming back to the mic with a five-month-old baby was harder than I thought, but this guest gave me just the boost I needed. Unless you've been living under a rock with no Wi-Fi, you've probably heard of veterinary anaesthesia. Court is the vet nurse behind this incredible resource and works at the Royal Veterinary College in London. I knew from her content that anaesthesia is her niche, so I imagined she'd be quite cut and dry, mathematical, scientific. But she's actually an incredibly spiritual, soulful person with a love of the more simple parts of nursing, like cleaning cats' faces. We chatted about everything from how a nurse in New Zealand came to break the internet with her social media resources and how to not feel like just another cog in the wheel at work. Her mind was just as sharp as I expected, but her soulful take on life was a pleasant surprise. Hello, Court. Welcome to Radio Vet Nurse. Thanks so much, Kat. Well, it's good morning for me. I guess it's good evening for you. Yes, it is. So it's nearly 9pm here, but like that doesn't mean anything to me (laughs) since I have a four-month-old baby and I can be awake at any time. And what are we, nearly 11am for you? It's nearly 11am on Saturday. So it's it's quite a crazy day outside, actually. We're, We're expecting Storm Dennis to hit. So last week we had Storm Kiera or Sierra or something or rather. So We've got Storm Dennis, and I'm a little bit worried about how many trees are, because I live like right next door to a park. Um, oh. About how some of the trees will stay for the weekend, but never mind. It's quite nice to be inside on a storm day. Yeah, it is. It is, and I'm really keen to talk about where. So obviously, where you're recording from, but also where you're from, um, and and how you sort of got there. Because I must admit, I've been following your page since Lou <laughs> the vet nurse told me to, yes. and I just assumed that you were British. Um, okay. And then when I had a good look at your website recently, I realised that you are a sister from across the ditch. I am. I am. It's been a bit of a whirlwind, actually, how I ended up here. Um, originally from New Zealand. I mean, it's some people can't quite tell by my accent anymore because I think it's a little bit of a mishmash. Um, yep. So originally from New Zealand, that's where I studied, that's where I grew up, and I went to uni like 2007, um, did all my nursing there, and then in kind of like 2015, I <laughs> sounds really silly. I left the country because of a boy. <laughs> Um, oh, it's always a boy. It's always a boy. So I was a nurse in New Zealand for a long time. And then um, I had always wanted to kind of leave and go and see the world as a nurse and just to explore and travel. Um, but after kind of a breakup and a bit of a sassy move, I thought, oh, you know what? Yeah, I'm just going to do it. So I ended up emailing um, a few practices in Australia, actually. And 
they got back to me and I had a few Skype chats with them and a few phone calls and one of them says, oh, it'd be really good if, you know, you could come over and we could, we could actually work with you on the floor and see how you work with our team. And I thought, oh, I've got nothing to do for a week, you know, like I'll just pop over, <laughs> that's fine. So suddenly I'd booked this one-way ticket to um, Brisbane. Well, sorry, no, this wasn't the one-way ticket actually. I booked the return ticket to Brisbane. Turned yeah. up, had, had like an afternoon interview worked on the floor for a little bit, stayed on someone's couch that I had no idea who they were. It was a friend of my sister's. Um, And then I basically flew back to New Zealand, got a job, and then packed up and left within four weeks and flew my two cats over. And I tell you what, it was one of the best things I have ever done in my life, and it was the scariest thing I've ever done. Um, But I think, you know, I just needed that little kick up the bum and having a bit of a broken heart and the drive to want to see the other side of the world um, and work somewhere else was quite strong. So it was a good, good little wee push off the cliff. It's a good occupation for doing that. And did you move to Brisbane, obviously? Yeah, I moved to Brisbane. Um, so it was, very, it was very much in between Sydney or Brisbane. Uh, yeah. So I ended up there and I was only there for about eight months, actually, before I then moved to the UK. So I did a bit of backpacking in between uh, leaving Australia and then moving to London. Um, yep. And then I kind of turned up in London without really understanding the nursing uh, lifestyle, I guess, um, in terms of that you have to get registered here. Um, yep. There's lots of agencies here, but it's been the making of me. Like I've met some incredible people along the way, but yeah, I've literally gone from New Zealand, nice and comfortable, great roles there, wanting to do anesthesia and knowing I couldn't do it in New Zealand Um like to the level that I kind of wanted to achieve. So then moving to Australia with that little push of a broken heart um, and then moving over to the UK as well. So I've kind of hopped around a bit. And did you need to update or change your qualification to work in the UK? Not so much update it. Um, I did have to, so we've got the RCVS, which is the governing body here, um, and you do have to become a registered veterinarian. so you have to become an RVN. And to do that, uh, you have your qualification assessed Uh, So basically they just have a look at what you've got in terms of what they can match it up with. And then I did have to go and do some practical exams. So they're called Yoroskis. And that was nerve wracking because after, I guess, I did them in 2016. So I was already a nurse for kind of about 10 years. And suddenly I thought, someone's going to watch me do a PCV and I can't get blood anywhere. Um, (laughs) Someone's going to have to watch me position for a radiograph and I'm going to have to explain, you know, it's not just this is just where I know it is. I have to kind of break down and go, this is where the rib is. Um, And in fact, it's about, I think it's about 10 or 12 practical tasks. And the one, I mean, I passed them all, but the biggest flunk I did ironically was the anesthesia one. Um, I was kind of looking at a fresh gas flow calculation and I think I was overthinking it so much because it is my life. And I think with about 20 seconds left to spare, I quickly, quickly corrected my mistake. But it is just a matter of paperwork once you move to the UK, if you've got like a a New Zealand or an Australian qualification. Um, Just a bit of paperwork, a few written references, um, submit that to the RCVS and then doing a practical exam. Um, And then... Once you pass that, you become a registered witness, become an RVN. Okay, that's easier than I thought, actually. I think it is daunting, but it's fine. It's okay. 
Yeah, and when I say easier, look, it sounds easy and probably looks easy on paper, but I do know what you mean when you actually have to say what you're doing. Like uh, for, for some of my assessments, I had to be filmed and send them in and you might be yes. doing things that you do all day, every day, but when you've got to talk while you're doing it and yes. use the correct terminology, you're like, ah. I got clammy hands as well doing the gloving techniques. I thought, oh, my Lord. You know, oh. how can I how can I move to the other side of the world and not be a vet nurse when all I know how to be is a vet nurse? And how did you get your foot in the door with vet nursing for your first ever job? Um, gosh. Well, I've always worked with animals. So as a teenager, I worked at a pet store. And for about four or five years, I actually worked at a kennels um, and a cattery uh, just outside of Auckland. And so I was always in with animals. And I kind of knew maybe I wanted to do something medical-wise. And so it was actually my dad who kind of put the piece of paper in front of me and said, hey, look you can become a vet nurse. Like, you can work with animals and save them and do medical stuff because I do come from kind of like a medical emergency family with police, fire and ambulance. So I thought, oh, this could be the job for me. So I not only did I sign kind of the dotted line to go to uni, thanks to my dad, I then went next door to the vet clinic that was at the kennels in Cattery and then promptly fainted. So that was great. Um, and still to this day, what are we now, 2020? So for over a decade now, I will still faint in surgery. Um, I'm, it's not my thing. I don't want to be cutting nothing. I don't want to be looking in or touching absolutely anything. Um, That's amazing. That's amazing. By the time this interview goes to air, then another interview that I've uh, – actually the last interview that I did six months ago um, before maternity leave with uh, the president of the VNCA at the time, Jazz, um, would have gone to air. And in it we talk for like 20 minutes about fainting. So I'm yeah. so happy to yeah. find another fainter. So, oh, my God, but yeah. You, how do you avoid being in surgery and being exposed to that when you're doing anaesthesia? So I think I just tend to not look. Um, wow. I know. I, I do love it. This is it. the scoop. It's, it's just, I know, this is a, this is people, you know, think, oh, my gosh, I wonder what, can she do any wrong? Absolutely. I can put a hole through your wall as I fall through it. Um, <laughs> I do remember at, at uni them actually just talking about a cat castrate or a cat neuter or whatever, and yeah. I fainted. I was wow. like, I'm going to have to leave. I actually can't do it. So... I'm very much focused on the anesthesia side of things and I can look down because, you know, sometimes you, you do actually have to pay attention to what the surgeon's doing in relation to anesthesia. You can't just plod along with your vaporizers and your boluses and do your charting because some yep. things need to make sense with what's happening to the patient. Um, yeah. So every now and then I have a little wee look down, but actually, if I have to be honest and, and tell you how I cheat, because I work in a teaching hospital, we've got cameras mounted to the lights which go onto mm -hmm. a big tv screen and i'm fine watching the tv screen oh because it's a bit removed yeah it's a bit removed yeah but i have had to take pictures for surgeons um of cool things that might have happened and they say you know come on come on get in close and i think oh i'd rather not actually <laughs> I'm so um, impressed that despite this fear and despite like, you know, it's a lot to think you might lose face in front of people. You still are happy to get in there and, and yeah. work in the surgery. Like it's really impressive. Yeah. I think everyone's allowed like a little weakness yeah. um, and it's absolutely nothing to be embarrassed about. And if I go for a job interview or I'm talking to someone and they say, you know, sometimes you do get the what's your strengths, what's your weakness. My strengths, I could talk all day about what I love and um, and why I'm good at it because I love it and whatever. And when I say, yep. what's your weakness? And I say, oh, I'll faint. And I say, well, how do you come, how do you get around that? Oh, just don't let me scrub in. That's fine. 
you know, there's people that will love to scrub in, um, give it to them. I love doing anesthesia. I love doing other types of nursing. I just, I just don't want to feel anything. And I've actually had to be kind of like the man, the human clamps actually for abdominal surgery. Yes. And, And I thought, oh, I can't do that. You know, I can't do that. And this was back in New Zealand. And all I ended up doing was scrubbing in, putting my elbows on the table, having a surgeon put the bit of intestine between my fingers, and I just looked down for about an hour. And I thought, oh. you know, a girl's got to do what a girl's got to do to get the job done, but um, absolutely will pass out. And I and I will, I do, you know, I do pop around doing low-commune shifts. I did that for years before I got my current role. And I always said to them, look, if we're in theatre, can I have a chair? Can I sit down? Is it okay if I sit? Because I can sit down and do my job and look down at the surgical site, whatever. I can do that fine if I'm sitting. And that's just something, it's just overcoming a little wee thing, isn't it? It's fine. But um, there almost wasn't a vet nurse because I was crying so much with my dad. I'm going to faint. I'm going to faint. Um, oh, I know. But now I've just found a coping mechanism. I love how you just say a girl's got to do what a girl's got to do <laughs> because when we first opened, I, yeah, I just had to get used to it and I did. But the first time I had to help Matt with a surgery um, after hours when none of the other nurses were around, I was just helping him flush a really minor like in hindsight laceration but I had to look in order to get obviously the fluids in to the laceration and (laughs) he's holding the skin up and like he's like get in look what you're doing you have to actually look because I'd you know been able to get away with doing a few things and not really looking Um, and I just would be like okay sometimes you kind of know it's coming and you're like I I can do this for another 10 seconds and then I gotta lie down and like I just did it and eventually sort of got used to it but um like when we have new nurses or students, I always say in theatre on in their first time, look but don't look. Like there yep. is a way to do that yep. to just know how you're going to feel. But um, yeah, I think that that's really great for other people to hear that it's not yeah. it is not the end game. If you're going to faint in surgery, there are other things you can do, including things that that involve you being right in the theatre. Absolutely, um, it's it should never make you feel um, bad. You shouldn't be embarrassed by it. Like we are all humans. And it's incredibly yes. overwhelming if you're just getting used to just getting used to being in the theatre and you you know the smell of it. There is a smell of being in theatre. Yeah, um, it's yep. the beeping noises. It's the life on mm-hmm. the table. It's the mm-hmm. gosh, I really hope I can do a really good job here. Um, you feel the need to impress mm. if you are new to a job or if you're a student, but it's okay. And I think every time you know we have students. And although we're on anesthesia, so they're less likely to be fainting. I have had to catch catch the people that faint, and you just kind of kind of sit down with them and say it's completely okay, and it's happened to yeah. every single one of us. And this is how yes. I cope: I sit down and I don't look, and I will be yeah. really, really honest if I don't feel very well. And I love how you said that just hearing about a cat castrate at uni was enough because oh. um, my husband will talk about procedures really in depth and with this kind of. A monotone just fact-based kind of voice that he gets and we'll just go on and on and on and and he won't know how gruesome he's being and yes, he'll do it yeah. to clients oh yeah it's and, a very vet thing isn't it we've just got to make yeah. the cut here and we've got to pull it out there yeah. like, oh lord and he's like going right into detail and because he's from like a medico family 
he can have those conversations over yep. the dinner table and he thinks that that's just all normal. Yep. But I will see the client start to get a bit edgy and start to do that thing where you flick your legs up behind you to pump the blood around your body yes. and you yeah. fidget and you drink your water and you put your lip balm on. And I see them doing all these things that I'm like, they're trying not to paint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're I will usually sure. like jump in and be like, okay, that's, that, that's cool. I don't think she needs to know anymore. That's fine. And one time he had a guy actually just hit the deck and hit his head oh, no. like on the dog scales out the front oh, like no. a cowboy in a big 10 gallon hat and he, yeah. <laughs> I said to Matt how did that go and he's like because it was after hours and he's like oh he fainted all I did was tell him what I did and I was like yeah you gotta, you gotta lay off of that explaining <laughs> some, yeah somewhat. yeah it's too much for a lot of people and tell you what sensory too overload much. even if it's even if it's like hearing about it yeah yeah so um I'm sure um, a lot of people will be relieved to find that you're human because I, I certainly think anyone who knows what you're doing from social media will think you're amazing. And if we can turn that to where do you currently work, what your yeah. role is, what you do from day to day. So I think um, I've got one of the best jobs in the world and it's something I actively pursued and grabbing hold of. Um, so once I left New Zealand, I knew I just wanted to pursue anesthesia. So that's why I moved to Australia, which eventuated to move into the UK and I, that's when I spent a couple of years locuming because I knew where I wanted to work. I knew I wanted to work at the Royal Vet College um, and when there was a part-time job that popped up, I grabbed it because I knew as soon as I got my foot in the door, I was in that door. Um, and so now I go to work and I, I absolutely wake up and bounce out of bed to go and it's for the people, it's for the students, for the staff. So typically um, we're a very big anesthesia team. There's about 30 of us in total. Uh, made up of nurses and intern residents and clinicians. Um, so part of the nursing team, there's on any one day, there's about eight to 10 of us. So uh, the day usually starts by being assigned a case. So we work across um, diagnostic imaging. So whether that's CT or MRI or what I like to call pokes and scopes, which is just endoscopy, mm -hmm. um, but a fun way to say it. Um, <laughs> or we might be doing orthopedic or neurology surgery. So doing spinal surgery, whatever. We would usually get our case in the morning. They're kind of all assigned the night before. We'd spend that morning um, I would find the student that I'm partnered with because it is a teaching hospital. So I work very closely with like one-on-one -on -one with a vet student and sometimes nursing mm -hmm. students. Mm -hmm. um, and we kind of have a look at the patient, discuss the procedure um, and not really from a massive surgical point of view, but kind of the anesthesia relating to that type of procedure. Um, we get everything ready and then, yeah, we just anaesthetize, uh, do the whole case together, recover it in our special recovery ward um, and then go through afterwards any problems or, you know, any questions they might have had that we might not have been able to answer. So typically the day is, depending on where you are, it's about one or two cases. Um, mm -hmm. They are quite long. The anesthesias end up being a couple, like, oof, sometimes about three, four, five hours long. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's very much it, get in in the morning, either you have a morning and or afternoon case, prepare for that, work with the students, um, break down the lingo, discuss drugs, discuss why maybe yes or no for that. So it's a real, um, not only is it quite like a physical job, it's also very mentally um, non-stop with the speaking, which is why this week I've, I've mm. been sick this week, which is why mm. I've got the, the raspy voice. Um, so I've been in the MRI suite this week, which means you know, we don't have students in there because it's a humongous magnet and a little bit of a liability. Um, mm. So 
we would just do back and brains um, nonstop, kind of all day, about seven or eight anesthesias. Uh, so I quite like it in there actually, getting the case, uh, discussing with our senior anaesthetists whether we're going, to, what kind of pre-med we're going to do for a bad brain or what type mm-hmm. of pre-medication we're going to do for a painful spinal dog. Um, so it's a very discussion-based kind of environment that I get to work in. Uh, it's, it's great. Like I've, We have a fantastic team and the support is incredible as well. So just skipping into work and just doing GAs all day and getting to teach is I think the best. It sounds great. Are the MRI um, GAs all IV? So no, we um, so every MRI we do is with an inhalant gas. So we use mm-hmm. um, sevoflurane when we are in the MRI suite, mainly mm-hmm. because we do a lot of brains and we don't want to be changing vaporizers around. Vaporizers around, mm-hmm. um, and sevoflurane is quite neuroprotective. Mm-hmm. Um, so. We kind of anaesthetise them in this room that's outside of the big MRI suite. So we've got a very special induction key access only room um, because Mm -hmm. obviously leads onto this ginormous magnet. Uh, Mm -hmm. And we induce them in there. We wheel them through on these very special trolleys, pop them onto um, the big MRI unit, hook them up and actually leave the room. So we monitor Mm -hmm. MRI anaesthesia from... um, a complete other room. We've got a wow. multi-parameter that links through. That's got all of um, all of you know. It's just a monitoring machine, basically. So mm-hmm. if we do need to go in and change the vaporizer, change the oxygen flow, change ventilator settings, we put on some earmuffs, we buzz through a door, and we go in and um, sort the patient out. Wow, that must be hard to be actually physically removed from the patient. I was yeah. listening to um, an episode of Vet Tech Cafe, which is another great podcast that's just started recently. And it was somebody who does a lot of anesthesia as well. Um, I can't remember her name, unfortunately, but she works overseas, like in third world countries and that sort of mm-hmm. thing. So when she comes back and teaches people, one of the first things she does is we'll just turn off all of the monitoring equipment mm-hmm. mid-anesthesia yep. and, you know, students will just freak out and she will say, all you need are your eyes and your ears and your stethoscope and, yep. and, and, your, and your hands and, yep. you know, so I guess it's the re- what you're doing is the reverse of that, yeah, which is, yeah. okay, well, I can't do any of that. I'm just relying on um, all, of, all of the monitoring gear and, you know, you can go in and check, but obviously you want to minimize yep. that. So Absolutely. there's got to be a bit of an art to that. I think – a bit of an art, a bit of confidence, a bit of they're not going to wake up and leave the table immediately. <laughs> you know, there's nothing painful happening in the MRI unit. So thankfully, they're not going to pull a broken leg and the dog's going to sit right up. Um, yes. And in fact, I think having done many years of anesthesia, being able to touch the patient, I can kind of anticipate what they are doing in that scanner based on what's happening on the multi-parameter. Um, yep. You know, they are ventilated cases, obviously, with brain MRIs, uh, if there's kind of lesions in the brain that are space occupying or something like that, we often have to ventilate these guys just to uh, keep them nice and safe. So they are on a ventilator. Uh, They don't have periods where they're not going to be breathing or they're going to be panting because we can Mm -hmm. actually manage that. So I can kind of tell what they might be doing in the scanner just based on being five metres away through a controlled door looking at a screen. I can kind of already be like, I bet you've got a pale people blink because I've spent so many years <laughs> being hands-on. So absolutely, be hands-on, touch the patient, look at the patient. You can't do anything wrong by looking under those drapes and assessing them. Um, mm. And then with experience, and that's with so many things, with experience, 
you will kind of start to anticipate what the patient's doing based mm-hmm. on a slight change in the blood pressure without actually having your hands on hands on them. So get all the hands-on experience you have and the rest will come. When I'm seeing this on the monitor, this is happening with the patient. Yeah, exactly. I, and I mean, I do it every day, so I feel quite in tune to, you know, if I'm looking at the patient, I think I know what's going to happen on the parameter. And if I'm looking at the parameter, yeah. I'm pretty sure I'm know, knowing what's going to happen to that patient under those drapes. Uh, and we don't actually get to touch the patients very much at all where I work because it is a huge uh, theatre suite. They're, uh, they are completely draped. Once they're under that table, they're under that table. So you just need to totally trust that um, yeah. that, that you've got all of your monitoring equipment set up properly yeah. sometimes. And your intuition. You, If mm. you think something's wrong or if you think something's happened, it's happened. You know, I did mm. actually have a um, – I was doing a, a fracture repair on a very, very small kitten, very small. Um, I think it was like nine or ten weeks old. In our huge theatre, and the, th- the theatre table, the surgical table itself must be about – two metres or metre and a half long. It's very long. So the patient's always positioned at the opposite end to where the anaesthetic machine is. And suddenly my capnography just, you know, I saw the the surgeon pull the leg and that's Mm -hmm. fine because they obviously needed to reduce that fracture. And I saw them pull it um, on like a 800 gram kitten. And, um, oh, sorry, an eight-week-old, eight, ten-week-old kitten on, it was about 1.2 kilograms. So I saw them pull the leg and then my capnography disappeared. And obviously Mm -hmm. if capnography disappears, they're, a few things but for also for it to just completely drop off as quick as it did I thought oh no they've extubated the cat because they've pulled the fracture straight and so I just kind of voiced up and I thought teaching hospital I've got a student with me we're fortunate enough to have um, one or two theatre nurses around as well as about four people scrubbed in because we've got a lot of students that we work with and the capnography disappeared, so I kind of shuffled under the drapes, long ways, sneaking along the top of the table. And there, lo and behold, I could see the ET tube, not in the cat, not in the kitten. So, you know, I just calmly said, the kitten has extubated. Um, and, the, and, and, you know, you think, right, spotlight's on, everyone's looking around. So um, I just, you know, the surgeon was absolutely incredible. He just said, right, everyone take a drape, lift it off remain sterile Courtney is going to have to re-intubate this kitten upside down a meter away and I thought oh that's great isn't it um so we don't get to see them but I very quickly knew within one second that my when my capnography dropped off that uh this kitten had extubated so it's you do rely on those multi-parameters quite a lot when you can't access the patient so you get a little kind of like a second sense for what's going on um, I mean, we always even tell people to be really careful about, um, you know, when we've got junior vet nurses, we always say to be really careful about things as simple as um, app alert sensitivity. You know, if yes. you've had the sensitivity up for a small patient and then you've got a big patient on the table, um, it might be picking up, you know, any kind of movements like yeah. touch or heartbeat Just or something. Them, but meanwhile, exactly. maybe there's no air going in and out of your patient. Exactly. So, I mean, just keep your hands on them straight mm. away if you and that's the thing if you ever doubt what your equipment's saying put your hands on because a pulse doesn't yeah. lie um mm-hmm. watching for a breath movement that doesn't lie uh mm-hmm. so i see a lot of people go oh that doesn't look right i'll hit the button again and you think oh no mm. no 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 if that doesn't look right have a look at the patient first of all that's it um that's it but also don't rely on your equipment too much because ECGs will double count. They can give you um, artifacts. They can, if you have too much electrical equipment going on, they can make you look like your patient's got a bit of fibrillation. Who knows? Yeah. Um, so don't rely on everything too much. So 
learn to use the equipment you have, but understand its limitations and understand its actual reliability. But yeah, for sure, when working with students, which is one of my most favorite things, when they kind of question a number, I'm like, yeah, get your hands on. Um, mm, mm. see what they're actually doing see what the patient's actually yeah. doing yeah and speaking of one of the things you love best about your job is there an absolute favorite part of your job oh there is and funnily enough it's not anesthesia related I oh, think um I'm one of my and I don't know if this is just absolutely too corny or not but maybe not about my job but as one of my favorite things about being a vet nurse is um, when there's a cat with kind of like facial trauma is warming up a warm swab, like a nice hot, wet swab and cleaning their face. Um, Yeah. Getting little wee crusty eye goobies out, cleaning their mouths and they just love it. And I find that they eat afterwards, even if they've got a bit of trauma to their face or they go to sleep or they just settle down. So one of my most favorite things about being a vet nurse is actually being a nurse. Yeah. And I mean, you know, anyone who's been to hospital themselves, they can definitely attest to how how much better you feel about the world and your life and everything when the nurses come and clean you up. Yeah. Like I just had a, a cesarean, my second yeah. cesarean with my son um, four months ago and all day I'm a bit like, Ugh, and then, you know, these amazing nurses come through in the afternoon and they kind of sponge you down and straighten you yeah. out. And what do you want to wear? And you're like, oh, thank you so much. Like, yeah. you guys are absolute angels. Just being and looked then you after and feel loved. Really good. Yeah. Exactly. And fresh and clean. And, and we know like cats absolutely love being clean too. Yeah. You know, there's something really wrong with a cat if it's not grooming. So um, it's not surprising that um, that they feel a bit better. But yeah, I agree that the, the nursing and, and often when we have um, students or new nurses that's what that's what we have to remind them to do as well like don't forget just the nursing like because sometimes they come out going any jobs for me to do is there anything else yeah, I should yeah. be doing and you're like yeah come and nurse like yeah. come and nurse the patients like this guy wants a cuddle this guy wants Absolutely. his face cleaned you know it's it's you can't underestimate how much that does for the patient um I absolutely love just yeah climbing in that kennel telling other people they're like oh you know, there's not much to do. I'll play on my phone. I'm like, that's fine. I mean, not where I work at the moment, but it's like, if you want to play on your phone and check your emails or scroll through Instagram, do it in a kennel (laughs) because the dog's going to love sitting by you as well. Just give them a bit of affection. Um, They're they're trying to heal. They're incredibly stressed by being in the practice. Um, It's not all about, you know, cleaning or about paperwork or about getting everything stocked up. Like get that done for sure. But get mm-hmm. in the kennel. Like I love mm. patting dogs to the point where they eat their food bowl that's been sitting there for half an hour that they've just been too terrified to touch, or yeah. or propping up the brachycephalic dog that that can't actually sleep because they've they're not in the right position because they're painful or they've got opioids yeah. on board so they can't fully relax. So get them propped up, get them sleeping, get the dogs eating, and clean those cat faces. I love yeah. it. Oh, that's a really uh, – looking at all of your content on your website and all of the sort of complex things that you break down and explain, it's a really unexpected answer, but it's an answer yeah. I love. And um, you just can't get better than that. So, no, it's been a nurse, isn't it? Yeah. And are you working cause Are you working nights and days and all sorts of crazy shifts? Because I want to know what your routine is to get up and going for work. Oh, okay. My – I typically work days um, – and it is shift work, but it is an only eight hour shifts. Um, they vary from a start time of kind of like eight, 
9, 9.30 or 10 or 12. Um, so typically I am one of those annoying people and it's funny because I did listen to a few of your podcasts and everyone was like saying oh I'd love to say I jump out of bed and I go for a run and and all of that but I quite literally jump out of bed um so <laughs> in order to start my day I'm quite a um oh, what's the right word I don't even I don't want to say like spiritual but I wake up every morning to a loomy light which changed my life. I don't know if you know what one of those is. It's what a sunrise is a light. light. So moving to the UK, <gasps> no. it's so dark here and winters get me down. Um, you know, the yeah. sunrise is after eight, it sets before four. So I invested in this Lumi light and it's a sunrise light. So you set it for your alarm time. So say if it's quarter to seven, yep. um, you set it for quarter to seven and then the sun rises from quarter past six. So for half an hour, this natural light can floods your bedroom um, wow. and then when the alarm time is actually you know it's 6 45 it's time to get off up sorry there is my alarm will go off and my alarm is just birds chirping <laughs> um, so I wake up like in this complete zen moment and I try to wake up the same time every day um, and I do try not just to rush to the gym every morning but either bike to work if the weather's nice um, maybe go to the gym for a 25 minute I don't know legs class uh walk to work maybe go for a run or if I want to sleep in because I am just tired or I am just a human being then I'll just do that as well but I'll do that with the loomy light on because I've kick-started and set my body clock to wake up that way um wow. so I quite literally will wake up really peacefully I don't like waking up in the dark to a blaring alarm I think that is mm. a, a really bad search of catecholamines and a very stressful way to wake up so I wake up really peacefully come downstairs, have a coffee, have some breakfast, do a bit of exercise or pop to work and just get started with the day. Um, I have the same breakfast every morning, which I've had for the last, I guess, seven or eight years. Uh, so I just, I think routine is incredibly important to keep sane. Yes, I, I think so too. Matt is reading a book and I don't know what it is, but he has told me about it a few times um, in the last few weeks. He's been reading it and it's about habits. And okay. I think maybe the the habits of of like, you know, successful people like you, Steve Jobs kind of people yes. of the world. And apparently a lot of those people um, have habits as basic as wearing the same thing every day, like mm, just yeah. having a, a closet full of all the same clothes just to minimize the decisions that you have yeah. to make Thank because God then scrubs. your brain is free to make amazing decisions. Like yes. I'm going to, you know, invent this crazy thing or I'm going yep. to revolutionize this procedure because you're not thinking, what am I going to wear? Like yep. you don't expend any energy on that. You just go, I'm going to wake up at this time. I'm going to eat this breakfast because that's what I do every day. Yeah. Now my brain's free to think about other things. Yeah. And I wouldn't even say I, I do it so that I have a free brain. Um, I just do it because it takes the hassle out of it. You know, like I enjoy the breakfast every single morning. I've got it down pat. Flick what on is the kettle. It? So I'll literally come downstairs, fill up the kettle, flick that on. Um, while that's working, I'll get a piece of bread out of the freezer. So every single morning I have a poached egg with avocado on toast um, and I can get that all sorted in about three minutes flat from the moment the kettle's on to the moment I'm sitting down you know pour that boiling <laughs> water into the little small one egg holding frying pan with some boiling water ready to go crack the egg and pop the toast down um, flick a bit of water around you know toast pops up bit of avocado on flick the egg over sit down and um, so it's That's just impressive very quick routine but um, if I have to do that for anyone else I will stress and I will absolutely ruin the egg 
Yes, it's like that, isn't it? Just, yeah, and that's why it's a routine because it is, you know, an exact science. It's an exact exactly. kind of recipe you're following and add someone yep. else and you're like, I swear I oh do my this gosh, usually. I know, I usually make the best eggs in the world, I promise. <laughs> um, but no, oh. I think routine, it keeps me sane and I do have a busy mind. Like I've got a busy job and my mind's constantly constantly going around and around like what mm. can I do can I do this for someone or mm-hmm. shall I do this could I book another holiday because that's also what takes up a lot of my life um <laughs> is, is exploring so I think if I can just take the stress out of every morning start with a routine start really really positively with my little loomy light I swear the best thing I've ever bought um you know sunrise birds chirping into a dress because dresses make me happy get to work put scrubs on knowing I've had a great breakfast I'm ready to go it's all sounding like an amazing, beautiful start to the day. Do you have oh, any lovely. other weekly or daily habits that make your life better? I try to. Now, I do try. I'm not always successful, but I do try to have phone-free time from 10 p.m. Um, phone-free so time phone from 10 p.m. So I'm mm. quite, you know, I am one of the modern children, um, mm-hmm. although I'm well in my 30s. I'm not well in, let's be honest. I've just turned 31. Um, <laughs> I don't watch a lot of TV, and that's not for any other reason other than I think my attention span for TV shows is uh, just not that great. Unless I'm watching on Netflix, I'll spend all day watching something. I will do what I need to do. Like if I get home from work or I have an article to write, I'll get tapping with that. I'll have my dinner. I'll sit back down. I'll you know, make a few posts. I'll do a few read, like readings of articles. I'll message someone that has a question about a Bane breathing system or something. Um, and then at 10 o'clock, I go, right, I am done. So that's when I'll go up to my room. Um, I live in a shared flat with three other people. So I'll go up to my room, read a book, uh, or actually I'm lucky enough to have a very big projector in my room. So that's where I might put on like a Netflix episode. Um, Mm -hmm. And you can actually set the sunset clock uh, sunrise clock, sorry, to a sunset. So you can make the sun set over 30 minutes as well. So I usually jump upstairs, put this, put the clock on to sunset um, and just wind down and try to be asleep by about 11, 11.30. That's amazing because it really does affect your circadian rhythms if you're not yes. seeing the sun coming up and the sun yes. going down and everything I'm like that. So, that. And it's really important for someone like you, I think, to have time away from your phone because for anybody who hasn't guessed already or seen, I guess, from the visual content that will come out with this episode, Court is um, is the source behind or the person behind veterinary anesthesia. I think Lou the vet nurse is the one who got me onto it. And um, oh, yes. you've got a website too that's incredible, the resources that are on here. Yeah. We've recently um, downloaded and laminated your um, ASA grading chart. Oh, one. yay. Look, there's yep. other ones with patient parameters under general anesthesia yep. and calculating fresh gas flow in non-breathing yep. systems. I mean, this content is incredible. So I have to ask because, I mean, obviously it would take up a lot of your time just, mm-hmm. uh, you know, chatting to people on your page or commenting, that sort of thing. What what drew you to making a, a website or having the Instagram page? Page what um, what came first? And like, did you set out to do this? Had you seen other people doing it? Because I feel like you must have been early on the uptake. Yeah, I think. I mean, I started my stuff in 2016. Um, so when I moved to the UK, because I knew where I wanted to work and that they didn't hire till they hired. So in order to 
keep my skill up in anesthesia, I took on a, um, I enrolled for a nurse's certificate in anesthesia, which is actually where I met Lou the vet nurse. Um, so I met her when we both did that together, although we didn't actually talk. We, I mean, no one really talked. We were so overwhelmed by our module days that we kind of went to class and came home, went to bed. Um, but that's mm-hmm. where I got to know about Lou because she was loving asking questions and everything. So I have a huge problem with retention. I am massively excited by knowledge. Um, I love to drink it. I love to tell everybody about it. And I realized the only way that I was able to retain the knowledge was if I told someone about it. Mm. And so I thought, oh, it would be really good if I could just make a little wee brain dump Facebook page and put everything I've learned because if it's exciting for me and I love anesthesia, maybe it will be exciting for someone else who you know, isn't on the course, um, who is a little bit nervous around anesthesia or who wants to know more or whatever. So I started the Facebook page first and that's just where I started to upload things. Um, I, you know, I, I used to do Refreshing Monday, so that's kind of a, um, you might have forgotten this, but perhaps you should, you know, let me just remind yes. you. Um, yes. Trivial Tuesdays, which is a fun did you know. Uh, Watch It Wednesday was kind of what I tried to introduce where I wanted to just bring up YouTube videos of um, people doing anesthesia stuff practically. So it might be how Mm -hmm. to intubate or whatever. Uh, Diagnostic Thursday. So I tried to keep Thursdays based around um, any kind of lab test you can do that might impact your anesthesia. So maybe Mm -hmm. a PCV total solids is your patient hydrated or anemic. How is that going to impact your anesthesia? And I also did Pharmacy Friday, which is one of my favorite ones, just talking about drugs. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's, and I really started it for me so that I could retain the knowledge and I could make fun infographics. I'm a very visual person. Um, mm. And then it kind of rolled over and I have no idea at what point it started to be an Instagram thing. Um, so when I started the Instagram page, I had a lot of the infographics that I had made on my Facebook page and I pulled them over and then Mm -hmm. I did a little bit of reading about social media and it said you know social media should be about you people on face Mm. sorry people on Instagram want to see you so Mm -hmm. I thought all right all right so I started to take a few pictures of of my day um some of the machines some of the cool cases Mm -hmm. some of the weird arrhythmias um and then it just blew up and people were thinking this is fitness it's just like me who's done the same training as me who um, you know, we all got taught the same way and look at what she's doing. Um, mm. And that's kind of how the Instagram rolled over to be what it is now. And then um, I did want to start the website as well because I had quite a few infographic things that I thought I would like to share with other people. Because, in fact, I've got a um, I've got a cheat sheet on interpreting PCV and total solids uh, just with arrows up and down, up and down. And I actually made that for me. Because I had a problem mm. remembering if that was high and that was low, what did that mm. mean? So I made mm-hmm. that for me and I thought, oh, come on, like everyone's probably going to want to know this. Like mm. you should always share knowledge. You should always share what you know. Um, mm. The only, you know, who's going to benefit at the end of the day with this knowledge and it's the patient and why are we doing this job? It's for the patient. Mm. So we exactly. should always share what we know. And, and that's how it all started really. Uh, and now I, I, I love it. I love that without realizing or without setting out to be this person, I'm this trusted peer for people mm. around anesthesia. And it's at the point where I get, I talk to people all the time and it's not even about anesthesia anymore. It's just about 
locamine or or stressful days at work or should mm. I apply for this next job and I'm thinking yeah get it like yes um, <laughs> I love that I've kind of become the support person for people all over the world definitely I mean the Instagram following I think I was looking today is it like over 12,000 or something oh, now I w- well I could be so lucky it's just over 11,000 it's just um, over 11,000 just right. over 11,000 Facebook I'm not on as much what is that is that as big as the Instagram um, page that's actually bigger that's 18,000 oh my gosh wow but and they I could be the same people it. you know they could be a lot of the same people <laughs> but it, I also like that it just literally started very organically because I know there are a lot of people um, especially a lot of vet students I find making Instagram pages and and I think it's great for them for, for anyone to do mm. because it does give you an edge I think down the track if you want to apply for a job or something like that and, and yeah. people can see wow here's this person who loves what they do and yeah. I'm such a visual thinker as well so looking at content like yours it just it makes me very happy yeah. um, I, I'm just not as talented to be able to be making these things so good on you for for doing all that so um, for anybody who's not following you have a look um, at veterinary anesthesia and U-R-S-E anesthesia so aside from being really clever making all these beautiful infographics do you have any strange habits or superstitions it's not really it's not really even a strange habit but I think it's just something I will always do is uh, set up everything that I'm doing from a work perspective in order of when I'm going to need it so if I'm laying out an anesthetic trolley you know that's it's Mm -hmm. going to be the first thing I'm going to do is flush that IV Mm -hmm. second thing I'm going to do is get that propofol then I'm going to need the laryngoscope the ET tubes so I mean that's more of just a very clever habit um, yes. superstitions. I'm quite happy to just grab one IV. I'm, I don't, I don't feel. You don't, you don't I, feel like you'll be smiting the emergency gods and they'll. And it's not even the, um, it's not even out of sass that I would be like, no, I just need one. I just think, yeah, I'm going to get it. Like just get it. The vein's got to be there. Um, I, I no, no other real big superstitions. Just, I think just very practical habits. Yeah, those nursing practical habits or the skills of being meticulous and setting everything up, whether you're just putting in a catheter or whether you're getting ready for surgery, they serve you well in every facet of your life, I find. We actually have one nurse who's so good at it. She will set up for, because obviously in general practice, we don't have the luxury of just doing one or two cases a day. You know, we'll have, you know, maybe one nurse helping with five or six um, anesthesias in a row. And we have one nurse that will literally get every single thing she will need for all yes. of the procedures. Yeah. One case might be eye surgery, a couple of D-sexes, maybe an ear flush and every single, like down to the transport tape, it will all be <laughs> ready to yeah. go. Yeah. Um, I now do the same thing just with parenting. Like when I'm like, okay, it's five o'clock, I'm going to start getting baths and dinner and beds and everything organized. And my husband, when he's had to do it the first couple of times, has been like, how did you do it? And I'm like, it's just like work. Yes. I get out the nappies I need, the creams I need, the pajamas I need. Like there's a 10 minute setup before I even run the bath. So you can just use those skills everywhere. Yeah. They're really good skills to have. And is there anything at work that your uh, workplace has bought that, that you really think, wow, this has really positively impacted my vet nurse life? What are the things that you can't do without at work? I mean, I'm incredibly fortunate for the place I work in. Um, I, it's not the average place, do you know what I mean? Um, we do have lots of bells and whistles and I've walked into this hospital having some of the best equipment in the world available. And I think, so now if I want to say, what is the 
best thing my workplace has provided me to be the nurse I am. I think it's the people. Um, yeah, I think yeah. it's the support. It's the can-do attitude. It's the, yeah, let's give it a go. Um, we were quite independently as nurses, which we're very fortunate for, but under the RCVS, obviously, if we want to give a fluid bolus, that's under the vet's discretion. If we mm -hmm. think, oh, we need to increase his heart rate, let's give a bit of atropine, that's under the vet's discretion. And because I get to work with such great uh, clinical anaesthetists, um, that is probably an incredibly rewarding part of my job that my job provides for me is, is the people that I can go to and say, now this is happening. I think we could do this mm. and I would expect this result. What do you think? Um, and just being the supportive, let's give it a go. Uh, we get to try a lot of different things. And also it's a teaching environment and not only are we teaching students, but we're being taught by each other. So, um, you know, if you walk past and someone's got a funky ECG trace, one of the other nurses will go, what's happening here? Uh, can you mm -hmm. talk me through that? Or can we just have a sit down for five minutes and just go through that? Um, mm -hmm. And also, I think another thing that I'm thankful that my job gets to, that provides me is CPD. Uh, and mm. we get seminars. I get the opportunities to go to congresses. Um, and I think because I am lucky enough to have all of the machines already, I you know, I don't have to to ask the manager and, and put forward a case as to why we could practice mm. anesthesia better, I think definitely what gets provided for me from a people and educational point of view is incredible. I think um, when those relationships between vets and, well, vets and vet nurses or mm. vet technicians um, are working in a really positive um, way, then it, it just really makes or breaks a workplace, doesn't it? I mean, it I, does. you just occasionally sort of hear, I mean, I sort of see it on social media sometimes in in nursing groups you see them sort of saying oh the vet won't let me do this or blah 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 and you see um these relationships that have obviously really gone south but it's just so beautiful to come to a workplace and know that your voice will be heard and you'll be able to put forward um a suggestion and and obviously know what you're talking about as well yeah. but um i think we really need to work towards relationships in every workplace and they are just as important as having the gadgets and all the bells and whistles yeah. so that's a great one to acknowledge just to wrap up before we have a quick break can you tell me about a time when you were able to turn defeat into victory oh yes actually um this was a huge point of my career um and I definitely think I turned that around and it might have been a little bit of sass so I think at the beginning of the interview I said I left the country I left New Zealand because of a boy boy broke my heart mm -hmm. I thought I'm going over, I'm going to Australia. I'm going to pursue my dream of doing anesthesia. What better push? Also, there was an instance um, at a particular workplace where I lost my job and I lost my job because of my personality. Um, there was absolutely no other reason. And I had a lot of horrible things said about me, a lot of accusations made about me. Um, and I, yeah, I ended up been dismissed basically uh, for completely untruthful things and I think mm. a lot of I mean it was an enormous chapter of my life I doubted absolutely everything you know I'd just been broken up with and then I lost a job and a role that that's all I know how to be um, that's all I want to be and to have lies and horrible things said about you made up about you I just it, it, I think it could be enough to turn people away and say oh I'm just going to give up I'm just going to get out of this all completely because you know these people think I'm worthless or these people think I'm this type of person. So 
with that kind of like, you know, sassy boy breakup and then this also happening to me in a role that I absolutely love, um, I became so determined to do what I'm doing now, so to follow my mm. dream and to never, ever be um, in a workplace like that. So I've always, mm. you know, if I've, through my locomine, if I didn't, uh, if I didn't like the place I was working at because of the people were horrible and you think I can't actually change that I'm going mm. to leave so I've, I've learned mm. a lot about putting myself first going mm -hmm. after what I want um, and just moving forward from sometimes one of the lowest points you could possibly feel like you're in and um, so I think that's probably my turn it around I took a really really horrible uh, quite public thing um, mm. and thought you know what I am I'm going to show you that not just you've made a mistake, but also I'm going to show you how great the industry is when you can actually be supportive. Mm, um, mm. I absolutely took mm. that and and thought I am going to smash it. I'm going to smash <laughs> it now. I'm going to show you what type of workplace places should be, how you should yeah. treat staff, how you should stick up for yourself and how you should go after what you want. And that's why I love asking this question because I think sometimes when you have really hit a low point, you can somehow try and remind yourself that you can take that and use it to really Absolutely. motivate you yeah. to get somewhere amazing. And when you go home to New Zealand, I hope one day you can have your pretty woman moment and just yeah. go past that practice and be so. like, big mistake, yeah. huge. I get the big mistake, huge already because they follow me on Instagram. Exactly. That is your pretty woman moment. I'm, I'm there. I am Julia Roberts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I just want to say like, it's okay that, Yes, that happened. That was an absolute horrible thing. Um, let's put it behind us. Let's exactly. just put it behind exactly. us and get on. Like, yeah. I'm stronger. I'm sure they've also learnt. Um, and now I just know my tolerance for horrible things like that is inexistent. Like, I just will know. Absolutely not. <laughs> you said it actually caught like you can't control the way people are. So what you can control is getting yourself out and getting yourself 100%. to a positive workplace yep. and promising yourself that, that, that those are the only environments that you'll work in. So yep. now are you happy if we take a quick break Absolutely. and come back? Yeah, sounds good. Excellent. Support for Radio Vet Nurse comes from Zilkeen. It's a supplement for cats and dogs that can help with stressful or unpredictable situations. You know the ones, thunderstorms, travel, multi-cat households, all those triggers. Zilkeen contains alpha cazozapine to help keep the animal calm. It's the same molecule that helps keep newborns calm after breastfeeding. It's palatable and easy to give. I mix it into my dog's food. Some behavioural issues are severe and Zilkeen probably won't help these, but it works well for many pets in stressful situations. Worth a try, right? Support for Radio Vet Nurse comes from you, if you like. You can help too by scoring yourself some eco-friendly and oh-so-chic Radio Vet Nurse merch. Head to my website, radiovetnurse.com, and check out my glass reusable coffee keep cup. I've also got a lightweight, shatter-resistant glass water bottle. All with Radio Vet Nurse logo, so we know we're in the club. Wink, wink. That's all. Carry on. Welcome back, Court. What advice would you give to someone about to enter the world of vet nursing? Oh, yes. Um, I think if you really want to do this, do it no matter what anyone tells you um, about the hours, about the pay, 
you're going to get pooed on, you're going to get weed on, but you're going to have the best time. Um, always, like once you find something you're incredibly passionate about, you will never, ever work a day in your life. And it's such a cliche mm. saying, but mm, it's, it's something true. we spend a lot of our time doing. Um, and if you really, really want this, take ad- take advantage of every opportunity. I think expose yourself to everything. If you do want to stay late and watch the GDV or watch the cesarean, mm. um, you're going to learn from that. Ask every question you can to everyone that is willing to answer them. Um, find the right people to be kind of surrounded by, whether you're thinking about getting into nursing or you are already training to become a nurse. I think the people around you are going to make you want to um, want to be the best nurse that you can be. Uh, so just yeah, exposing yourself to everything um, and just asking all the questions to the right people and find someone that is willing to take you under their wing a little bit um, and also just push you. Uh, I always say when I'm teaching someone that's really, really nervous, I say, I'm not going to let you do anything that's going to harm the patient or harm you. Um, yep. But I would love to see you outside of your comfort zone. And yes. I think that's where you're going to learn as well. So find someone that's going to support that. Exactly. Find find a mentor and find somebody yep. who will push you just that little yep. bit. Push and protect you. And are you studying at the moment? Because I want to know your advice for student vet nurses struggling with their studies. And mm-hmm. I, did I read something about you studying recently on social media? You did. Um, and then I've stopped studying, actually. So I kind of hit a bit of a, um, a, bit of a wall. I, I, I really, really, really wanted to do the VTS um, mm-hmm. which is the American specialization. And I put two of my hours and unfortunately, because I'd done so much locamine, they didn't meet the requirement. So I was a bit, mm-hmm. bit struck by that. Uh, so I went on and enrolled in a kind of postgraduate lot of studies for anesthesia, which was recognized by the RCVS in the UK as the American one isn't recognized in the UK. Um, so I enrolled in that and then I was getting started and I was loving it. And then I just had this this moment of thinking, um, who am I doing it for? Mm, uh, mm. Am I doing this for me? Because I feel mm-hmm. like I need to prove myself to other people. Um, yeah. So I've actually stopped do- doing this study uh, because I think just with a lot of people knowing who I am and mm. I'm a normal nurse that has a passion for anesthesia. Um, I'm no superstar, you know. I I just absolutely love talking about anesthesia and supporting and reading. Um, so I started to think I was doing it for everybody else except myself. And mm. I felt like I had met a few people professionally, which um, maybe put me down as being someone like, oh, you know, they're, you know, you don't even have a qualification. Well, I mean, I have mm. a nursing certificate in anesthesia, but like, oh, you don't even have one of those. And I've got that and mm. and I'm not doing what you're doing. You know, you're, you know, you're just putting your face out there trying to be a superstar or whatever. So I kind of took a step back from that study and I thought I'm, I'm just going to focus a little bit on me this year um, and figure out if I do want to do the postgraduate study for me or for other people, because obviously you should only do it for yourself. And so I think with advice, if you are going into study vet nursing or you are doing the postgraduate study, just do it because you want to do it. Mm. Um, It's very, very overwhelming as well. So just set yourself little targets, put a few chocolate bars in your textbook chapters so that as you walk (laughs) through them, you know, you've got yourself a little surprise. Um, And try and, I mean, as with everything, when you're trying to study or trying to do something that's quite time consuming, just set up a routine. So when I was Mm. studying um, for the few months before, I thought, what am I even doing? Um, I would come home from work and I would always give myself 
two hours to work on that. And I'm very fortunate in a way that I have that time. Um, you know, I don't have any, I don't even have a cat or anything to look after. So yeah. I was just able to dedicate time to that. So, so set yourself some structures, make yourself a little to-do list, something incredibly achievable for that next hour. Even if it's like, oh gosh, I need to revise the entire urinary system. Just be like, you know, by the end of this, I really hope that I understand what type of cells line the bladder. You know, set yourself something achievable because nothing is better than crossing something off a list and going, yeah, did that, I've accomplished something. Mm. Um, mm. So just small little tasks, keep going, always ask for support. Um, there's so much resource out there on people that you can talk to whilst you are studying. Um, but try and get routine and know that you, you have to work hard for this intense period of study time and then at the end of it, you'll be away sailing. Yeah, definitely. That's all really good advice for people who are currently studying or nurses doing, you know, the the cert four or whatever. Um, but I also like that we touched on knowing when to say, well, who am I actually doing this for? If you are doing, you know, your diploma or something like that, because yeah. I also started my diploma and and dropped out of that too. And for the same reason, you know, I was really struggling to fit it all in and. Yeah. One day I just said, why, why am I doing this? And it was only really because in my previous job where I was a lawyer, I had a degree, like I had a degree qualification. And I guess when I finished the Cert 4, I just was like, okay, and now I'll get the diploma. Because I guess I was in some way just trying yes. to get back to the, the position that I felt like I was in prior. And in some yeah. ways I had felt like I'd thrown that away, all that education. And so really I was like, am I just doing this to say that, you know, I'm... Yes. I'm, I'm higher than a certificate for vet nurse when really, really what I just need to be doing is spending more time saying, what's this weakness that I have in, in my nursing and yep. where is my textbook? And I'm going to pick that up and just read about it and find some online resources or choose a conference to go to where I can focus on that stream or choose an online course that's just about this one particular thing. Like, and it won't, it won't culminate in letters after my name, but exactly. it will help me more. And that's what I think, um, this is where I think that saying, actions speak louder than words. And that's what hit me when I thought, I, I can pick up a book and I can read. People know I know the stuff I'm talking about. So I don't actually need those words at the end of my name. And mm. all of that stress and potentially um, regret, or I don't really know, um, around having to try to get there. I'm not at all saying that you should never keep pursuing higher education and keep studying and keep learning because that is the best mm. part about our job is it's always changing. Um, mm. But just do it if you want to do it. And just because mm. you don't have the nominals at the end of your name or whatever doesn't mm. mean you don't know your stuff. Um, mm -hmm. So I think actions speak louder than words. Uh, words sorry. People know I'm a vet nurse. They know I enjoy anesthesia. They know I like anesthesia. And I think I – do you know what? Actually, funny you say this because it was – the day I decided I was going to stop studying um, last year, I cried. I couldn't eat my dinner. Um, I thought, people are going to think I'm such a failure. People are just never going to want to know me. Uh, mm. They think I'm this amazing person and I can't even find it in myself to do the study. And then the next day I got an email from you, Kat. And <laughs> it was, you know, let's chat. Let's. I would love to interview you. Let's talk about that. And I thought, actually, this is it. I don't need to no. have proven myself because you know you know me from what you've seen already and I get yeah. to speak at congresses now from 
what people know about me already, not at all what's on the end of my name. So exactly. I think that really, and, I, and when I got to work, I didn't tell anybody and um, I thought everyone's just going to think I'm a huge failure, but it absolutely hasn't changed my knowledge. I can always pick up a book and I still yeah. am the same person. So don't be overwhelmed and just do it if you really, really want to do it. Exactly. I think the important thing is that you do something. Just don't feel like it has to be the thing that gets you the letters after your name. Absolutely. And, and I, I thought I was just going to take a break from my diploma and then I had my – just after I had my son and I thought then I'll have a baby that will be sleeping and I will have time to study again. This was my first son and he just never slept. So yeah. um, after extending and extending my break, I ended up just saying, you know what, like – I'm just not going to go back and do it, but I am going to make a podcast and that's how Radio yeah. Vetness came about. Yeah. And, you know, I think I've probably, you know, ha- had, you know, an equal amount of opportunities and exciting developments in my career than had I just done this study and gone, hey guys, now I've got my dip. And that would have been great too. But I guess the moral of the story is sometimes there are other ways around that might be better for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. You have to, I think something that um, someone told me years and years ago and which I would obviously love to tell every single person, which is, this is a great platform to do it, is that you don't have to be everything to everyone. And you can't be, exactly. And take that even into nursing. You don't have to know everything about everything as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you can pick your niche. You can pick what excites yeah. you. You can pick what That's you it. find rewarding. Mm. Um, and yet yeah, not focus on those those nominals or doing something because yes you think you have to or you've been told you have to and that's what Lou said too you know find your niche and find what you love and then yeah. you know if you decide hey I really love physio or I really love anesthesia or whatever it is then you can go and just find those courses that might even be from mm-hmm. the same education providers that just focus on that one topic and really know your stuff with that and be the go-to person in your workplace start making some beautiful visual content like you do so I'm really happy to hear that my into my email rolled around to you at yeah. that fortuitous time as well because sometimes the universe just says actually you are right where you yeah, need to be yeah you are good enough yes you are good enough so exactly. I was really I actually until just a couple minutes ago I forgot that that kind of lightning bolt hit me the next day um, I <laughs> yes. think it's on my personal Facebook page I was like oh my god this just happened a day after I decided I wasn't gonna do this um, so it was <laughs> In a way, it still was a bit of support for me without anyone even realizing. You've just everyone can influence and support you without um, without them realizing that they've made an impact. Exactly. Now, this might have an anesthesia spin on it, or it might mm-hmm. surprise me with another spin on it. Oh, but I would okay, love okay. to hear bad or old recommendations that you hear that you think should be replaced with more useful or modern information. Okay. Yes, I think because my passion definitely lies with cleaning cats' faces and anesthesia, um, I think I there's a lot of anesthesia myths. Um, there's a lot of we've always done it this way, um, but there's a lot of things we've always done in history that aren't right. Do you know what I mean? Mm, um, mm-hmm. I think I think some a lot of things that I find um, just need to be debunked or whatever is a lot around pain management and anesthesia um there's in fact I got a message last night about a a pain what kind of pain medication or what kind of pre-med could you use for this dog because we're worried because it's this breed and I was like well no 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 you must analgies to the painful procedure not analgies to 
the fact the dogs are brachycephalic or whatever. Um, mm. So I think there's a lot of myths around everything needing a sedation and an opioid for a pre-med, just give it an opioid if it's an old geriatric dog that potentially doesn't need the sedation side of things. So I think there's a lot of things that probably need to change that are really old school are protocols. Mm. Um, protocols mm. that are... 10, 15 years old with doses that are out to flatten animals. Um, I just mm. think there's so much resource and fresh uh, bits of information out there now that you can change your anesthetic plans every day on every single patient. Um, mm. So I think myths, maybe not so many myths, but uh, probably just some old habits like these really old painful, uh, sorry, these really old protocols for painful patients like let's use butorphanol instead of a full mu or something like that um or let's just use acp as a sedative for anything i think anytime someone says they kind of want to use acp as a pre-med in a cat i get a bit of a twitchy eye um, <laughs> i think oh no um so i just think there's better ways to do things with the type of knowledge we have and i think literally maybe these kind of protocols you walk into a practice and you see them on the wall and it's a one one color paint for every single patient I think oh no come on like it we does do worry better. me it mm. does worry me those protocols where it's if it's under this many kilos it's this and this if it's yeah. over this age then it's Give this one and this. mil of that I think oh my lord yeah Oof. so what kind of pre-med would not make your eye twitch for a cat oh now I mean of course as a nurse this is something I'm not allowed to recommend but things that don't make my eyes twitch um is just a, I mean, I'm a big fan of metatomidine and dexmedetomidine mm-hmm. um, and an appropriate opioid for the case. So not every kind of anesthesia needs analgesia. Um, mm-hmm. So, for example, just some quick repeat radiographs. You don't need to go giving uh, really heavy respiratory depressant drugs. You could just do something like butorphanol metatomidine for example Mm -hmm. if that wasn't going to make my eyes twitch because there's no recommendations here because i'm a vet nurse um but um i don't think there's a perfect pre-med for anything um because it all is so procedure dependent but i think one of the things yeah i think if if i have to just say is the acp as a pre-med in cats makes me eyes twitch a tiny little bit yeah, well, that's just it's just good to flag as something you know that other yeah. people can be um, looking into in their own workplaces and saying, well, what are we yeah. doing for cats and what yeah. might be some options we could discuss yeah. with our vets. So it's okay to question things. Yeah, and I love it when we have um, we have like a, a vet who's well, she was sort of a new grad when we hired her. She'd been out for a year. Now she's been out for longer, obviously. But it's great even having student vets or new grad vets coming into workplaces. I think um, particularly smaller general practices where you might have had the same vets who have been you know who have been out and practicing for 10 years or 20 years and and you do get bogged down in the same protocols and it's great yes. to have somebody new come in and say hey what about this so Spice it out. and but even in saying that like one of my i i did a, a congress talk last year for students um i went to a student congress for two days and just got to speak to rvns at different levels of their or svns i guess student fitnesses at different levels of their qualifications and i opened up every single one of my slides um sorry every single one of my presentations and i said the safest anesthesia is the one you know. Yes, but, exactly. Yeah. But yeah. know the one you're doing. Um, yeah. Because, yes, you get these protocols in place that you've had and you've been doing for five years, but or five or ten years, and you've got these doses mm-hmm. that you're well familiar with. You absolutely know 
what's going to, you know, the patient's going to sedate and they're going to go to the floor and then in six hours time, they're going to walk home. Um, but although the safest one is the, is the one you know, you should really know about the effect of every single one of those drugs that you are putting into the patient. So I always encourage people to, um, open up a formulary every single time they want to use a drug. Don't get bogged down with trying to remember everything. Um, mm. But at the time when you're doing a case, whether it be drug or a specific protocol for the anesthesia, is that's the time to have a quick refresh and a quick read about it. So read when it's relevant. Um, and I just, you know, it, it, everyone gets really, really bogged down with, they walk into these practices and they see, all of these different drug selections that you can make, blah, blah, blah. But if you are going to have drugs as a protocol on the wall with doses, just be really familiar with maybe what ACP does for your patient, what metatomidine does for the patient. Uh, why mm. butorphanol is not that great for pain. Why buprenorphine's good, but should this be a methadone or a morphine type procedure? Um, mm -hmm. And that's the best thing about these students that are coming out uh, is they've got all these brand spanking new fresh modern ideas. And that's so, so exciting. Exactly. And I think I saw something on your website too about lignocaine. Like I also, our, our, um, our new Ishvet, and we've had it for a couple of years now, she's really um, changed our dentals with just using mm. nerve blocks. And it's yeah. just the anesthesia is, is so much better and, yeah. and you're able to use less gas and everything like that. So just having somebody coming in going, why, why aren't we doing nerve blocks? Yeah. I'm like, oh. And I think a lot of newer people are coming, like the new grads are coming in with this complete, I always hashtag it, loco for local. Um, they're coming in with these attitudes that you can pretty much block anything um, <laughs> and, the, and the people that benefits is us as anaesthetists because we have a nice smooth stable anesthesia but mm. the most important thing is it benefits the patient so these mm -hmm. these these modern forward-thinking patient first ideas coming from new graduates are um, something that we should definitely encourage and not stamp on saying oh we don't do that here Exactly. Um, if you want to spice it up, hire a new grad. Yeah. They're amazing. Oh, yeah. They've, they've got some weird, wonderful new things. So I, I'm all for it. Me too. Now, it sounds like you're doing a lot with your your sunrise and sunset clock and your yep. breakfast routine and your dresses, things that make you feel happy. Mm -hmm. um, what else are you doing to protect your mental well-being and prevent compassion fatigue? And if you're feeling overwhelmed, what do you do? I think, I mean, I... I do and don't have a great ability to switch off. Um, I don't have a great ability to switch off when I've got lots on my mind. So to be honest, I'll just set myself an achievable target of like, I just need to wind down. I'm going to burn out, but I will just lay in bed thinking about that if I just don't get it done. So I'll mm -hmm. say, right, right now I'm just going to dedicate one hour to uh, writing that about this or, or I'm just going to have a quick read about that. Um, and then I just keep trying to make those, you know, no phone, phone free from 10 p.m. So I try mm. to make something achievable that I can do so that I feel really good about having achieved something um, and then just switch off and put the phone down or, or open up a book. But I think if you can't change it, so if it's a negative type workplace and you have invested in changing it, then the only thing that needs to change is you need to leave. Mm. Um, if it's a knowledge-based thing and you think, oh, God, I would love to know more about that, then open up that book. Um, exactly. Make yourself sit down for an hour or do that extra CBD or find that webinar. Um, so I think just making yourself, like I make myself a lot of to-do lists because I love that satisfaction of crossing something off and feeling like I've accomplished something that I'm not running around in circles. Um, mm. And then I always, I think it's incredibly important to um, 
to just have something else exciting in your life. So I like reading. I like going, you know, reading, going out with my friends, the sunshine. But, you know, I love traveling and I love switching off and planning a holiday. So you absolutely have to remove yourself from work. And if you Mm -hmm. can't change some of the things as well, um, and it's really, really negatively impacting you. So you're unhappy with work because of how you've treated, how you've been treated and you've brought that up with management and you can't, you know, they're not taking it on board or you're still not happy. Like you can leave, you can find another job to go to. You've tried your best. You really have mm. tried. And, you know, we spend a lot of time at work. So just try and be happy. So I think in order, I, I just try yeah, get a lot of things done on my to-do list so that I can mm. mentally be free, read a book, have a nap, um, I go for a run when I'm running on, I run on a treadmill because if I run on the street, I'll end up just walking. Um, so I try to put on a podcast when I'm running just to mm. not think about anything and just, mm, and make just the time run and pass just listen. As well. Yeah, clear your mind. Pass. And it sounds like you live by the work hard, play hard too, because I've seen some travel pictures um, on your Instagram and you're living the, the Australian slash Kiwi dream of being somewhere where you can just fly to Italy or fly yes. to Spain or France yeah. and it's not like, you know, spending 24 hours in transit. So I love seeing that. And I also spoke to a vet at the um, the business uh, conference down in Melbourne a few years ago, the veterinary business um, conference, and, and he he's an ex-vet who then started a benchmarking business and he was worried speaking to me knowing at the time my husband was our sole vet we now have three vets but at the time he said you need to get more vets or he will burn out and you need Uh to have holidays and they need to be two week holidays sometimes like and he just said you know you hit this magical mark at the two week holiday point where you actually can relax and get away and we recently had our first two week holiday in five years and I was amazed like I just forgot about work like I wasn't thinking I wonder what's happening there or I wonder how they're going so I think it it, you really can't underestimate the importance of getting away and traveling and and getting out and doing things that make you forget whatever you're bogged down in and realizing it's not that bad yeah, you must, it is so, so important to live um, and just be happy. I, my mum is very much a spiritual hippie, uh, so I think that rubs off on me quite a bit. But yeah, if you get bogged down by work, it's not fair. Um, talk to someone and, and try and make a change. I think it's very, very important to have holidays, have breaks. You don't have to go away and spend money on holiday either. You can just be at home and and accomplish something like getting your laundry done, um, you know, accomplish something by ticking off that entire Netflix series. Like it's okay. Just don't burn out. I don't think if you're in a workplace where that's happening, I, I don't think that's worth it. And sadly, this is probably a little bit of a, maybe a sassy comment, but if you burn out and leave, uh, you will be replaced. They're going to put someone else in your shoes and they're going to do the exact same per- same thing. I'm not saying workplaces are horrible by saying, yeah, but um, always, I think you must always put your own oxygen mask on first. You know, if that plane's going down, you need to be the first one to put your own oxygen mask on. Uh, take a breath. You can't possibly help yourself or help anyone else unless you do that. Um, so just... Ask, talk to your colleagues around you as well if you're feeling a little bit bogged down, a little bit burnt out. Try to get their support. Try to get your workplace support. Find a resolution. Um, and if that doesn't work, 
book a plane ticket somewhere. It's always fun. Take a trip. <laughs> well, before we wrap it up and you can enjoy your beautiful rainy morning, what do you think is the main area of our industry that needs attention or improvement? Oh, I think that's probably the topic we were just discussing. Um, mm. I think work-life balance. I think long gone are the days where it should be expected that we uh, spend all of our time and emotion and everything at work. Mm. Obviously, we're, mm-hmm. as nurses and even in vet med, full stop, we're very emotive. Um, we feel a lot. That's why we do this compassionate job. Um, but I think long gone are the days where, no, 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 you will work 10 days in a row and some of those days will be 10-hour days and you might not get a lunch break. And I don't think that's okay anymore. Um, I think that's a very it absolutely will be days where you might not get to sit down for a half an hour lunch break um, and that we're just going to have to keep going but that shouldn't be an everyday day thing and uh, I mean I'm very lucky that I work in a place where I only work one one weekend day a month um, and so we're so incredibly well looked after and I think that is one of the best places about where I work and why everyone's generally very very happy um, and I think that's because work is not our life anymore um we absolutely love what we do Mm. but when we're there and we are happy we do a better job so i just i'm not a fan of this be a slave to the system type thing or it's expected that this is going to um you're going to work these hours and not have a break and no you can't have a holiday then and you must work almost every weekend of the month like yeah. Work looks very different nowadays yes. and I think that I'm probably from a generation where where you were expected just to show up and to work and, and I sort of had that drummed into me and, and I certainly was really bad like that in my career as a lawyer. I would get there early, I'd stay there late, I'd come in on the weekend if the work had to be done and it's been really refreshing for me having employees who are like, you know what, I think I'm just going to work three days yeah. a week and I'm was initially flabbergasted like what what are you gonna do on the other work days yeah, 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 yeah. You need to be working um but now I you know as you can probably see from you know I mix it up with the yeah. podcast and work from home and work from work I now realize it can look like anything and it's actually great from a rostering perspective to have people who are flexible and and who just want to work a few days or want to work school hours but other people who you know I want to do a 38 hour yeah. week or whatever so I think you're right we're not expected to do the Don Draper madman kind of thing and and just be at the office you know all day and living there and sleeping there and being miserable and just coming back home to have our dinner and go to bed um it it looks different and it should and and i think like you're much happier if you can work within those kind of hours that do suit you um and the days that do suit you so that on your other days off you can be a mum, you can run podcasts you can um i don't know be a part-time personal trainer or you can use that to travel like I think mm-hmm. it makes you work harder in the days that you are at work and you really, really enjoy being there um, because mm-hmm. you don't, you're not just feeling like another cog in that wheel. Yes, exactly. And it's not just, you know, the, the millionth day that you've worked on yeah. end without a, a holiday or a break. So, yeah, I think that, that, that we will see changes yeah luckily in that area of the industry because I think you know young people are coming through and saying well I'm not going to do that yep. and and that's great so I definitely want to see more of that too yep. and if you could reach out and thank a mentor who's helped you in your career and personal development in the industry who would it be and what would you say oh gosh I think absolutely everyone I've um it's kind of like thanking at an Oscar speech isn't it I think everyone I've ever worked <laughs> with um 
I struggled a bit through uni just with the fainting thing with um, just with studying and everything like that. So I didn't bond too much with my lecturers. Uh, but I think in my very first role, I worked with some incredibly supportive people. Um, one of them in particular is Fiona Hasty. I always have to shout out to her. I often send her a little wee Facebook message just saying, you know, I, I am who I am today because of you. Um, and she's very much oh, someone so nice. that I am trying to be for a lot of people. Um, she was very much that support, push me out of my comfort zone, um, but protect me, not let me do anything that's going to harm myself or the patient. Um, mm-hmm. And then I think as I as I got older as a vet nurse, um, as in once I've been a vet nurse for a couple of years, I worked with some fantastic people. Uh, one of them was a, a vet that I went on to work with um, in a different practice as well. So I worked with her across two practices. Her name was Justine Alley. And she not only was a vet, but she was a really good good friend um and then I just had surrounded myself by positive people that kept pushing me up so I think from then on out everyone that I've chosen to keep around in my circle um make me who I am today and I have to thank them and I have an incredibly close group of friends that I work with now um Simon Leanne and Andrew and I think if anyone jumps over to my personal page it's usually just the four of us as a squad um we all work in anesthesia Mm -hmm. we're a mix of um nurses and uh resident anaesthetist And I just have great people that support me. And I think it's really, really important to be surrounded by them. So every single person that I've worked with, even if they've been horrible to me, they've helped me. Um, And even if they've been the best support group, then that's how I'm the positive person I am now. So everybody, I want to thank everybody. Everyone has impacted me. That's so big of you to be also thanking people who maybe weren't so great to you because you did learn things like, yeah, well, yeah. sometimes it's time to move yeah, on absolutely. and go and take your cats and move to Brisbane yeah. And, yeah. and then um, hot foot it to the UK and become a, a an Instagram and Facebook inspiration yeah. to many. So thank you for all of your content. I hope you keep sharing oh, and you. it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the yeah, show. Thank you for spending your um, evening with me. I'm <laughs> glad. I'm glad I, I made it. I'm glad my husband who's got the baby yep. made it. Well, we did do sound check with the baby over the shoulder, but now um, he's been gone. So um, the world hasn't ended and I've had a really nice time talking about nursing things again um, and, you know, having that, that balance back, back on yeah. board. So I think the takeaway is the balance all around people. Yeah, all around literally every yes I mean anyone can talk to me if anyone wants to send me a private message I don't just talk about anesthesia I'm a massive pro (laughs) life experience soul spiritual person so I absolutely love like pushing people off that little wee ledge that they're standing on that's so nice of you to put that out there and I will put a link to your social media and to your email address and everything like that in the show notes. So if anybody wants to reach yeah. out to you, they'll know how to find you. Um, and I will be keeping an eye on what you're doing and enjoying all that beautiful content and I will be vicariously traveling around <laughs> Europe um, in your shoes. Oh, thanks, Kat. No worries, Court. Take it Thank easy. You. Thanks for listening to Radio Vet Nurse, the podcast. To help us make more free episodes, subscribe and leave a review. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Radio Vet Nurse or drop in at radiovetnurse.com.